Great to be together in worship here in person. Those of you joining online, always great to connect with you. Thank you for continuing to stay connected and, and with what's happening at Meadow Park online and here in person. We're in the series, It's Spiritual. One of the questions on, the, uh, on, on that uh, lead-in video says, are you ready to unlock a deeper relationship with Christ? Now that might sound like, sound like we're overbilling the series. We're talking about money and stuff. What do you mean, a deeper relationship with Christ? Well, that's exactly the point of this whole series. It's spiritual. How we handle our money, our stuff, and our things leads us closer to God. It can grow our heart. It can transform us spiritually. And the reality is that for many of us, how we handle our resources, our money, our stuff, our things, is really the ceiling that we're hitting in our spiritual growth. It's a place where maybe in all these other areas we're looking at, at how we read our Bible and worship and pray and our, our, treat other people and, and the, you know, our, the morals that we live and the lifestyle, but, but we come to this place of, of, of our finances and it's like, no, God, this is an area that, that you don't get to speak into. I'll handle this part. And so we stunt our spiritual growth. But if we can break through this area, the good news is it can also accelerate our spiritual growth in a way that can transform us and that's not just hype, that's not just saying something, that is the word of God talking about the power of money over our lives. And if we can release that power, and if we can find a way to let it transform us, it's a way that can lead us right to God. Because God's not after our money, what's he after? He's after our heart. And Jesus said from the very beginning, he said, you know, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also, right? Our heart and our treasure are linked and so where does our treasure go? Our heart follows, and we want our heart in the right place. And so we've been looking at a lot of different topics. Today, I wanna to talk about generosity. Generosity. How many of us don't wanna be more generous? <laughs> How many of us wanna be known as sticks in the mud? You know, stingy, curmudgeons, we don't give any, no. We all wanna be generous. Who wants to be more generous? Who wants to be known as generous? We all wanna be known as generous. I wanna be known as a generous person. Right at, at, at my funeral, I want somebody to be able to say, oh man, what a generous guy. And right now, I, I don't know if people will say that. This is something I gotta still work on. This is something that I, I, I wrestle with because this is an area where money can really challenge us in how we handle our finances. And so generosity. I think about generosity and it really, it, it really has the power to change lives. It really does. Generosity moves hearts. It's, it's powerful in, in what it does. When I think about times in my life where I've experienced generosity, I can point to many different examples of, of people that have been generous in, in my life. And, and it's interesting how I'm sure like, like me, you can recall those places, those times, those people that have just gone above and beyond, right? There was a time that I remember back, it's been quite a few years now, we were pl uh, planting a church in Arizona. And um, during the, our time of planting there, it was uh, my wife and I, and we had our, our, our four daughters um, were all under the age of five, uh, five and a half. And so when it came to like being a church planner, we were still raising money. People were supporting us, other churches. Our church couldn't support itself quite yet. So things were tight, and, and God provided, always did. But taking a family vacation where we would all fly somewhere just didn't happen. Six plane tickets at a, as, as a church planner, it didn't happen. So wherever we drove, we drove the wheels off of our Honda Odyssey. I mean, we would go and, and hop in the car. So it was really cool when, when one day our friends from, from Canada called and said, we'd like you to come and visit us. We're like, that's nice, but that's a little far. We're not gonna be able to drive there. No, no, we're gonna fly you out. We wanna pay for your plane tickets. We want you guys to come and visit us. We'll pay for the rental car, the tickets. And we're like, yes, <laughs> thank you. And we weren't like, no, no, we can't. No, we can, we can. We'll take it, we, we, we would love to see you. They're great friends and we enjoyed getting together and they, they provided for us when we got there and they said, oh, and one more thing, when you're here, uh, we, we wanna watch your girls for you so that you and Shannon can get away for a few days uh, and, and we'll take care of that too. 
So we got up there, and they sent us to Banff and Lake Louise. You guys know? I mean, you could scarce go to a nicer area. We get there, they put us in a nice hotel, like overlooking the Rockies, floor to ceiling, you know, um, windows, just beautiful view. And then they give, on top of that, they gave us a gift bag. And they said, don't open it until you get to the hotel. And inside the bag, there were all kinds of different goodies, but also uh, uh, gift cards to some of the nicest restaurants in, in, uh, in Banff that we would have never eaten at. And it's just like, I mean, literally, we were like overwhelmed overcome with the generosity that was just mind-blowing to us, watching our kids and, and the, the thoughtfulness that they put into it and, and the extra details, the steps that they went to. It was just so humbling. And, and what, is that, what did that do that, that, that was great for Shannon and I? It was wonderful for our family. It enriched our relationship with them. They were joy, they had, had joy in just doing that and surprising us and being generous and, and spending time together. I mean, it was just a, such a beautiful uh, reminder to me that, that when I think about generosity, that's one of the pieces, one of the, the stories that comes to mind. Wouldn't we all love to be that generous? Wouldn't we all love to, to do those kinds of things? And I know what we're, we're, we're sitting here thinking, going, I can't even do that for myself. How in the world could I even be that generous to somebody else, right? And so we think generosity might not be something that we can attain, but we're gonna talk about how we can all be generous. We're gonna be looking at what's the secret to generosity? What's the secret? What unlocks that? We're gonna look at that in a little bit. But in the series, as we're looking at this relationship between, between money and our heart and God, generosity is at the heart of that. I mean, we started back, you know, looking at just this relationship between our, our money and our heart. You know, Jesus saying, wherever your treasure is there, your heart is also. Then we looked at, uh, we looked at uh, faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? It's not about the starting amount. It's what you do with it that counts. Remember that? The story of the, of the, um, of the parable of the talents? where different servants were given different amounts, and what do you do with it, and how do you invest it in the kingdom of God? Understanding God is the owner of all things, and we're the stewards, and how do we manage it, and if we manage it well, he'll continue to guide and to bless. And last week, we, we, we talked about the, the favorite topic in the church, tithing. We talked about the importance of that first 10% set aside as holy to God, that this has been a kingdom principle of the economy of God that, that provides for the, for the ministry of, of the church and for the kingdom, and it blesses us. And God says, look, if you try this and do this, I will open the floodgates of heaven on you. I will, I will bless you in, a, in, a, in unbelievable ways. Do we trust God? We talked about trust and that step of taking that, that step of trust. And remember the challenge that we put in front of the church that, that, that's happening right now until next Sunday, the, the Big Give Challenge. Are you guys excited about the Big Give Challenge? The Big Gift Challenge online, are you excited about it? Like, tap your phone or your TV or something, right? The 110-1 Big Gift Challenge, why are we doing this? God says, test me in this, prove it, let me prove it to you. We wanna see what is possible when 100% of the people of Meadow Park who call this church home would for one time would take, take 10% of one paycheck and see what happens when we bring that together and take that step of faith and, and, and see what God does in the life of our church, what he does in each of our lives, and then we take that step of, of, of faithfulness. Now, some of you might be tithing uh, regularly all the time. On, on the way home from church last Sunday, my oldest daughter, I was driving with her, and she said, tell me again, what was the 110 one? What, what was that? And I said, 100% of us giving 10% tithe of one paycheck. She goes, she goes, just one time? I said, yeah, just for, on one Sunday, we want to challenge everyone. She goes, why? Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do every week? I was like, um, yeah, I mean, technically, yeah. She's like, well, that's why I do that. I said, well, mom and I, I said, we're gonna do a double tithe on that Sunday because we realized for some, this is a step. Maybe some don't know this principle. Some haven't, haven't uh, learned that yet. Some are still struggling with that. And so we're just trying to do a challenge for one time to do that. 
and to take a step and to go move in that direction. And that's the challenge. Would you do that? Would we do that as a church and see what happens when we come together and, and trust God in that way? And then we wanna see how that develops in us the growth of giving and generosity and, and, and what we're talking about today. So when we talk about generosity today, it falls into a category, there's about four, I can think of three, only three, four things you can do with money. When you think about money, there's only three, four things you can do. You can spend it, you can save it, you can invest it, or you can give it. Saving and investing, you can almost put in the same category. They're different parts, but yeah, right? Spend it, save it, invest it, or give it. The first three, spending, saving, or investing, are where the power of money has power over us. There seems to be this, the more that I can have of this money, the more things I can spend. Some of us just wanna save more and feel more and more secure in that saving or building up for something, investing so I can multiply it, so I can have more. That, that seems to be the draw of money on our lives. That when we get into these, these modes, this is what, what, what money has the hold on us. But when we go into that fourth category, that giving category, that's where all of a sudden the power of money can be broken. When we step into the giving, this is almost the antithesis of what money is there for. It seems to be money is there for all those other things, but to give it seems to be the opposite of what it should be for. But it's precisely in the giving that the power of, of money and the hold on it over us is unlocked and is unleashed. And so that's what we want to talk about. How do we release that power and that hold of money on us? And see, giving and generosity are linked. Giving and generosity are very much linked. Generosity is the manner in which we give. You can give and not be generous, right? So what is this character quality of generosity, and how is this a spiritual quality that I believe the people of God should embody, that this is a character trait that transforms the world? So we're gonna look at that today, all right? Ready to jump into this? Generosity. Okay, we're gonna be looking at um, a, a verse that we started with last week and go past it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul, who founded uh, many different churches, started them. He's handing leadership over to uh, a young leader named Timothy, and he's, telling, and, and he's writing a letter to Timothy saying, teach this to your congregation. Teach this to the people uh, about how to handle their money. And this is what we read, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So we began, there, we began there last week. This idea that teach those who are rich in this world, and just a reminder, this isn't a place where you tune out and go, oh, that's for other people. I want you to say, say it with me, say it, I'm rich. Just say, I'm rich. When, when I'm at home, when our girls ask us, I said, we're rich. We are rich. Let's not forget that we always compare. We, we're, we're never rich when we compare up, right? <laughs> we always compare up, compare down, and not that we should be comparing, but we look at ourselves and go, we are blessed in this country. And there is a richness that, that doesn't have a certain number of zeros to it, but if you have a roof over your head and you're taken care of and God's providing, you are rich. So this is for us. And here's what he says going on, verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Be rich in good works and generous. Do, use your money to do good. Use it in a different way than it is just to accumulate things for yourself and to build up savings and to build investments and, and this, this, this pool of money. Use it to leverage it for good and to make an impact and do something with it. Be generous. What is generosity? Think about generosity, the simple definition of generosity, giving more than is strictly necessary, expected, needed, or normal. It's just going beyond, not just what is needed, what is necessary, what is normal. It's when somebody goes above and beyond. 
When somebody takes that extra step that you go, ah, that's generosity. More than enough, magnanimous, generous, just, just, just being so free to give. That, that's that character quality of generous. Quite opposite, right, to being stingy, closed-fisted, always trying to scrape by the, the, the least minimum, just doing, the, just doing the minimum to get by. Right, being generous. This is what we're looking at. And so what, what he's saying is here is always be ready to share. This is where generosity has to be used. It's, it's in sharing what we have, right? And, and this is something that I find interesting is we all have to teach our children how to share, right? Do we ever have to teach a, sh- a child how to be selfish? What is it? We don't ever have to tell, teach, you just share too much. Now, there may be a rare exception, uh, but at some point in life, uh, and pretty early on, it's usually the first couple words are, you know, mama, dada, no. You know what the fourth one is? Mine. <laughs> mine. I mean, we're, how is it that you only know four words and one of those is mine? Like, right, my pacifier, my bottle, my toy, my stuff. We're possessive. We want to hold on, so we have to teach our kids early on, how do I share? How do you let go of something, even though you could possess it? How do you let it go and share with somebody else? In our house, we have the dad tax. You guys have the dad tax in your, in your house? Maybe I've talked about the dad tax before. If, if we're watching TV or we're in the you know, living room and one of our girls comes with like a, you know, a couple of cookies or something like that and she'll walk by, I'll be like, dad tax. And I have the right to take a tax off of the, uh, off of the cookies because after all, where did those cookies come from? Huh? Yeah, they, they come from me. And so if they're not being willing to share with me, we've got a problem because I can lock up that pantry. And they will have no more cookies, right? So it's just a test of their heart and their character and their love for their father. This is manipulative, isn't it? Um, I'm just too lazy to go up and get up and get my own cookies. But, but it's one of those reminders for them that, that, that says, like, look, if you have a hard time sharing a cookie, where did those cookies come from? Do you know that I can fill that pantry so full of cookies and force you to eat cookies that you're going to be throwing up cookies that you don't even want cookies? I can supply you with so many cookies you can't even imagine. So just, just share one with me. And by the way, share another one with your sister if she wants one. Because in sharing, you're reminded of who does it come from, where does it come from, who, what's ours. But sharing unleashes the joy to somebody else, right? When you share your cookie, now I get the joy of that cookie, Right? You're spreading the joy. Generosity has a way to move us in a beautiful direction. He's saying, teach the people of God. Teach the church to do good, to be generous, always ready to share. And then in verse 19, he says, by doing this, when you do this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Isn't that interesting? He's connecting true life. Like, you really want to experience true life? You want to, it's not about just accumulating, acquiring, keeping, building, building our kingdoms. True life is found when we release it, when we share it, when we're generous. You might be able to say, live to give and give to live. Live to give and give to live. But you know what we do? We live to get. And we get to live. That's how we see it. That's the American way, Right? That's the consumer way. I live to get. I need a raise. I need more money because I have got all kinds of things that I want to buy and get. And when I get those, when I have that house and that car and those clothes and that vacation, and then I get to eat in those restaurants and I get to do these things, then I'm living. And now there's great things and there's, there's, there's a place for that. As I mentioned, those four things early on, right, the four things we can do with money, the Bible doesn't only just speak about giving, The Bible talks about spending and saving and investing and how we handle all of our resources. There's absolutely a place for spending and there's a place for enjoyment and good things. 
But we tend to forget this part of generosity and giving. So live to give and give to live. And so when we think about, again, we all wanna be generous. We wanna share, but you might be saying, I would love to share and be more generous, but I can't because I don't have enough money. That's, I think, where a lot of us are. That's where I, I feel like I'm at times. I, I'd love to, I have all these ideas. If I had as much money as person X, you know what I would do? <laughs> but we struggle with looking at ourselves and going, well, I've got my money, why don't I do more with mine? I don't have enough. And some of us have done so well with that first part of money with, 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 with spending that, that we've actually leveraged our future. We've gone in debt. We've gone in the hole. We've spent credit cards. We've maxed out because it's about getting, right? So we feel stuck, we can't give, but, but there's a secret to generosity, and there's a secret that allows every single one of us to be generous, and the Bible teaches us about this secret. We're gonna look at it. We're gonna look at a story here in, in Luke, chapter, um, Luke chapter 20, I can't even read with my glasses on, with the green here, whatever. You see that chapter. Anyway, two something in the front. Um, <laughs> Jesus is, he's, he's, he's going to church that morning, and Luke chapter 21, there you go. He's going to church that morning, and he's at the temple, and you know where he kind of hangs out? He's hanging out by the giving boxes, you know, like we have giving boxes. And he's there with his disciples, or maybe he's not hanging out right by him, but he's got an eye on him, and he's looking, to, and he's seeing what people are giving in. He's kind of nosy, actually, right? I mean, isn't that, it's money. You're not supposed to look what other people are giving, right? I mean, it's like when we pass offering plates and somebody else drops something in, like, ooh, they put a 20, or if you only had a one, you rolled it up really tight or something. Anyone remember those days, right? Didn't want to see, like, you know, but you have a bigger bill when you're younger. No? Okay, see, that's, that's why we don't do that. That's why we have giving boxes. Anyway, Jesus is watching. I digress. He's watching, and here's what he says. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Plink, plink. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. She's put in more than all of them. Wait a second. All you mathematicians, all you accountants, all you economists out there, did she put in more than all of the other people who put in the offering plate? No. I mean, it's like a trick question. I mean, no, she didn't, right? She put two coins does not equal more than what all these other people put in. So what is wrong with Jesus' math? What's wrong with Jesus' economy? Does he not understand it? This is kingdom economy. This is what Jesus is looking at. He says, no, why did she put in more? She said, he said, for they all contributed out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. We're starting to see there's a secret in here to generosity that, that, that we're looking at. There's this, there's this economy that's going on where Jesus is saying, look, these two copper coins, they equate to more than, than everything else. What, what is it that's going on here? Listen, the secret to generosity is not necessarily having more. It's making do with less. See, we think the secret to generosity is having more. And if I have more, no, no, it's, it's making do with less. Another way to say it, the secret to generosity is self-denial. It's willing to do without. And this is where we struggle because we want to take care of ourselves and everything first. And there are certainly responsibilities we have with our money and our things to take care of our family and, and food and clothing and shelter. And God provides for those things. But if we're not willing to deny ourselves or if we're in a place where we can't deny ourselves, we may never be able to be generous because we can always spend more and do more. But at what point does self-denial become a part of that? Are you willing to do without blank in order to give? Maybe you think like, man, I could never imagine giving $1,000 to the church. And yet you can go to Starbucks five days a week and add it up. <laughs> 
There's a thousand bucks right there. Would you be willing to go without a cup of coffee at a fancy restaurant how many times or do without? Again, silly example, but different ways in which are you willing to do without, without that vacation, without upgrading that car, without you know, buying clothes in the next year? We'd still all be clothed next year if we didn't buy another article of clothing in the next year. We would be totally fine, and you wouldn't be so out of date and fashion, right? But, but, but the questions are, are we willing to deny ourselves in order to give? And that's a hard question, but that, the self-denial, that's what can create some of that margin. And you look at the, the if you think about the kingdom of God, don't you think it looks a lot more like the kingdom of God to give the coat off of your back than to buy a designer coat for yourself? Now again, nothing wrong with having nice clothes or having a nice coat and you can afford it and God's blessed you, but, but when you look at the kingdom of God, there's this beauty of saying, I can also give. If I have, if I've got something else, I can share that. And we have to learn, what is this, how do we unleash this generosity of sharing, even when we feel like we don't have enough? You know, I've seen, seen this so many times, especially it seems like when I've gone to other countries on missions trips. If you've ever had the opportunity to do that, I hope that we can uh, re-engage some international travel here pretty soon for our church to go on these missions trips. But you'll end up in some village, whether it's in South America or whether it's in Honduras or in Lebanon, but you go into somebody's home and you come in and it's like, you're the honored guest. And here we come feeling like we've got the resources and the wealth and we've got the money and I'm, I'm taking care of whatever and when we're going on, we can afford to go and do this trip. And yet here we come into these, these homes and what do they do? They give us the seats of honor. They bring out the best stuff. And then they go into their pantry or they go in their kitchen and they start preparing food, meat that they may never eat themselves or only on very special occasions. And they want to host and they want to be generous. So even in that space and place where there isn't a lot, they find ways to be generous, and you see in their heart just this desire, I want to, to bless, I want to show you goodness. And it's just an expression of their heart. And so we can't get into this mindset of, I can't be generous because I don't have enough. We can, if we choose to deny ourselves in certain ways. But what about those rich that were putting money in the offering plate. What about those? Let me say something on the other side. Maybe that applies to some of us. Again, we're all rich. We all admitted it early on, right? But maybe we wouldn't say we're affluent. I don't know. You know, where, where you fit in. Some of us, we're all in different places. I know in this church, we're in, we have the whole spectrum. That's the body of Christ. From some who are struggling to some who have wealth. It's all across the board. But some of us are afflicted with affluence. We can write a big check and it won't impinge on our lifestyle. What did, uh, what did, um, Elon Musk just sell off $6 billion of stock. Do you think he's suffering today? He's probably not having a harder time, right? I know it's always easy to point at these, these extreme examples, but, but, but in our context, what, what does that look like to, to, to have resources? And of course, to be generous out of our abundance is amazing. But what would it look like if the giving of the rich was the same as the giving of the widow? to give all she had to live on, to take that risk, to, to give in a way that hurts, to give in a way that was like, oh, this is gonna cost me something. This is gonna, this is gonna affect me because that's where many people are. Many of us are in our giving. But that's the, the nature of sacrifice. That's the nature of giving. See, there's an example in, in, in the Old Testament of a very wealthy man who wanted to, to um, bring an offering and build this altar and bring this offering. And there was a man who saw this and, and was honored by King David coming. It was King David. And he wanted to provide the offering for David. He said, here, I'm gonna provide the bulls and the place, and, and I just wanna do this because it'd be my honor, King David, to give this to you. And you know what King David says when it came to that? Here's what he said. I will not offer God that which has cost me nothing. He refused it. 
How kind. I mean, it was very generous to that person to offer, but he said, I will not offer God something that has cost me nothing. See, someone say, I can't give, I can't do it because, because, because it hurts, because it costs too much, because it, it, it's too hard. Exactly. That's the sacrifice. That's the self-denial. That's the gift. And so many times that happens, and, and we see it actually it, statistically in our, in our country. Did you know that the more money you make, the less generous you are in this country? Percentage-wise of income, the more you make, the less you tend to give. That's troubling, isn't it? Because I think we get caught on, on, on an amount. Well, maybe when you were younger, $1,000 felt very huge, and now you're able to write a $2,000 check, but it's percentage-wise. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It gets to the place where you look at maybe an amount, but no, where's the percentage of sacrifice? Where's that, that, that challenge? And I've been privileged as a, as a pastor to sit in places where I've, got, where I've witnessed extreme generosity of people with means who've really taken a step to, to go above and beyond, whether it means you know, selling off parts of their businesses, large portions of, of stock, donating in different ways to, to building campaigns or to starting new churches. I'm on the board of Anderson University and I've seen people just, just with you know, millions of dollars that are given to accomplish something in a big way and, and, and they can move the needle if you're a, a person of affluence, you can move the needle in a big way. I might say, I would put it this way, wealthy people whom God has gotten a hold of and on whom money has no hold can have a huge impact on the kingdom. Right, you can have a huge Im impact on the kingdom. When, when you find that, that, that ability to see God is blessed in a way where I can do some significant things, I can move the needle in a big way, that's a beautiful thing. But here's the reality, it takes everyone it's not about equal giving, but it's about a shared sacrifice. Right? This is where, again, it's not about the starting amount. It's not where we're looking at people's amount. It's, it's where you look at your heart and go, where is that sacrifice? Where does it hurt? Where does it, it, it cost me something to give and to be generous? And that's where we release that power of money over us and unleash it into the kingdom of God. So I want to talk a little bit here now about how do we give. If the secret to generosity is self-denial, pulling back, doing without so we can take a step to go big or go home, no, go big, right, to do something big. How do we, how do we, um, how are we generous? I like the way Craig Rochelle says this. He says, increase your standard of giving, not your standard of living. We all know how to increase our standard of living, right? I mean, this is what we're taught in this culture. That's the whole goal is to increase your standard of living. We want higher standards of living, and there's something great about having a good standard of living, but we all know that if you, as you go through life and if you've gotten a better job and you've gotten a raise, isn't it funny how it just seems like you know, a few months later or even a year later, all of a sudden you feel like you might be back right in the same place where you were tight with your resources? Everyone, anyone else experienced that? Or just, just me? I guess I'm the only one. All right, a couple of you guys, yeah. Right, because what we do is we ramp up our standard of living. We've gotten more, so I, great, now I can go to a little bit nicer restaurants, I can buy a little nicer clothes, I'm gonna upgrade my car, I'm gonna move to a little nicer neighborhood. And again, not wrong to increase your standard of living, God blesses, but here's the thing, God gives us enough to do everything and to be generous. We just struggle on that generosity side because we, we know how to give to ourselves first. What would happen if you just never increased your standard of living? And you said, you know, I'm good right now. I'm good right now. There was an artist back in the, in the uh, I think it was in the 90s, it was a Rich Mullins, 80s, 90s, uh, not 90, was he still around by the 90s? He passed away, 70s and 80s. Uh, but I remember that he, when he became very successful and his, his, record, his record and, and, and music was, was making it really big, I heard that he just said at one point, like, just give me the average 
salary of, of um, what people are making where he lived, and he said, and I don't care what you do with the rest. Use it for the kingdom of God, invest, and he just, he, he didn't continue to go, hey, now I've got, I'm entitled to whatnot. I mean, that's, a, that's an extreme, beautiful picture of just saying, look, I'm not gonna worry about continuing to increase my standard of living. Increase our standard of giving. How am I growing in my giving? How am I growing in that generosity? Generosity is a lifestyle that you have to cultivate. And that's why we're talking about that, because it's a, it's a spiritual way in which we approach our, our money and our resources and our heart. Um, Tim, Timothy Smith is the um, chief development officer of the Museum of the Bible. Museum of the Bible, uh, the goal was to raise a billion dollars. Imagine if your goal was to raise a billion dollars. You're not selling something. You're not promising people a return on their investment. You're simply saying, give money to this project and believe in it and enjoy the results and the impact of it, right? Just a part of your, a billion dollars he's trying to raise. Here's, here's what he said in his experience as he saw givers from, from all across the board, from small donors to large donors, here's what he said. Generosity is not something that comes later after you accumulate wealth. It's something you live out wherever you are in life today. It's not something that shows up, it's a lifestyle you cultivate. And so you can begin generosity at any stage is what he's saying. I like the way Dave Ramsey says, he says, having more money just makes you more of what you already are. So if you're, if you're stingy with a little, when you have more, you're gonna just be more stingy. If you learn generosity with little and when you're younger or when you're just starting out and you experience generosity, more money will make you even more generous and magnanimous. It just is a multiplier of that. So generosity becomes this character trait. How do we increase our standard of giving and generosity and not just our standard of living. Second, set giving goals in your budget. Very practical. You know, we think about budgets, right? How do we spend our money? Do you set aside and say, this is a set amount that, that I wanna set aside for giving. I wanna reach these giving goals. I have some goals in giving. What I wanna do with my family, how I wanna impact the church and the community around me. What do you want to do? Set some of these giving goals instead of just the getting goals. If you take Financial Peace University and, and Dave Ramsey's course on handling money God's ways, it begins by saying at the very top of your budget is the giving line. You start with giving. Go listen to last week's message again, right? It's where you begin. That's where you begin in the beginning. Where it comes from, from God, you start there. Now, we, one of the things that uh, I talked about a couple weeks ago, I just wanna reiterate here, is the giving ladder, the generosity ladder. How do you take the steps and how do you grow in generosity? Because maybe we can't get there right away, but you can take steps. And if you're not generous, if you haven't learned giving, you start by giving. The first thing is start giving. You just take that action. We can talk about generosity and giving all we want, but the reality is at some point, you just gotta start. But once you start, the second step then is going, okay, I've started, now I wanna do consistently. And maybe you're like, I just wanna consistently give. I'm gonna just, as I have an opportunity and availability, I'm gonna do that. That's a great place to be. You're growing and flexing that, that generosity muscle. But then you move up and you say, how do I become more intentional? This is where we're really looking at maybe this budgeted giving where you're saying like, I wanna grow in my percentage of giving that goes and grows towards the tithe. I wanna see what that looks like here and, and I've got these goals and I've got other giving goals. I wanna grow in this generosity. And then we have that level of tithe giving that we've talked about scripturally. That seems to be this, this, this benchmark that, that God has put before us, that the church has used, that really allows amazing things to happen to grow towards that point. But again, not to be legalistic and say we stop at any place, it's about growing beyond that to abundant giving, to extravagant giving, to saying, God, how can I continue to go and move beyond that? And so moving up that generosity ladder is a beautiful way for us to say, okay, I wanna take a step forward. 
And what would it look like, again, collectively, for us as a church as we enter, getting ready to enter a new budget year and we're gonna be voting on our annual budget and say, okay, this is our time. We're collectively together. We're all gonna take a step, whatever that step is for each of us and to see how God will provide. Set giving goals in your budget. Three, go the extra step beyond what's expected. Right, this goes back to just the definition of generosity. If there's something that's expected, go the extra step. You can try it right this afternoon when you go to lunch and, and you go to a place where you maybe have to tip somebody. Go the extra step. Take the extra step, see what happens. Even if it wasn't deserving of, of the tip, if you say, ah, oh, they didn't earn, just, just be generous, just lavish it on there. Go, see what happens in that moment. I love the stories that come out of our live love opportunities when we have those days where we go and, and we just surprise people with, uh, with, with love. We ambush them with love. Even something as little as you're going through the checkout line at the grocery store and you ask the cashier and you say, what's your favorite candy bar of these here? Which one do you like? And they're thinking they're helping you pick one. And then they'd say, you know, Reese's or whatever. Grab the Reese's, ring it up, and then as you go away, hand it to them. Say, hey, have this on your break. Cost you 50 cents, 75 cents, whatever. And it puts a big smile on someone's face. Why? Generosity. It's unexpected. It's what, it wasn't to be expected in that moment. Paying for that meal behind you in, in the drive-thru and, and, and driving off. Moments of generosity are just beautiful and they're fun. Fourth, irrationally spoil or bless someone this Thanksgiving or Christmas. Irrationally. Just pick one person. Pick one person. There's a saying that says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Just pick one. Sometimes we don't do anything because we think we can't do it for everyone. Now, if you've got like four kids, don't pick one to irrationally bless. That's <laughs> not what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Maybe a random person, somebody that doesn't know what you're doing. Or do it anonymously. But have some fun with it and just kind of go, how can I stretch myself to do something in that way? It can be fun to be generous. It can be fun to give anonymously too. Five, give what makes you think twice, pray, and swallow hard. <laughs> this, is, this is one where, again, it comes down to that, that sacrifice piece. Where you kind of go, oh, hmm. What should I do? And sometimes maybe you think if there's an opportunity for you to give or to sponsor something or to, to give and you kind of go, oh, what would it look like if I, if I doubled that? What if I added an extra zero? Wouldn't that make you swallow a little harder? Wouldn't that make you kind of, ooh, God, I don't know if I can do this. Pray a little more, pray, pray a little more. But it's in those moments, see how those are faith-stretching moments where God can do something amazing in us and through us. When was the last time you gave where you had to think twice? where you had to pray, where you had to swallow hard and go, here we go, I'm doing it, I'm jumping in. And see what God does, see how God provides. Take some of those chances, take some of those opportunities. Zacchaeus, when, when he encountered Christ, repaid those whom he had stolen from and taken from and done extra from him, he, did, he, he went four times as much. He was just overwhelmed by what God had done for him. He went four times as much. He, to, do the, to do the fair thing would have been to pay it back equal with interest. No, he just went four times as much because he was transformed in his heart and it changed him. So how do we grow in this grace of giving? How do we learn what that means and, and trust God in, in, in that process? I want you to take a look at the, the screen and hear a story of a couple in our church and how God has uh, worked in their life through their giving. Hi, this is um, Gary Childs and my wife, Jackie Childs. Uh, we've been coming to Meadow Park for about three years now, so we're newer members, but we're so excited to uh, call Meadow Park home and just love being in church and praising God. And then I was blown away even by their um, 
children's programs. Gary and I, we have all adult kids. They're all in their 30s and 40s. So I was focused on the grandkids. So when I saw that Meadow Park had uh, programs for babies all the way up till the teens, I thought, you know, this is awesome. Gary can be singing. I can be bringing the grandkids to all the programs and then fulfilling in more ways than we even thought. The more you give, the more you receive from God. And it's not about doing it to receive, but the blessings just continue. Tithing has always been important. Um, we've always tithed, uh, knowing that that's following what scripture says um, and knowing that when we are be obedient to that, God is obedient to continuing to provide for us and continuing to um, shower us with blessings. And I also think that being genuine with it is important too. I know personally for me when I was much younger and immature in my faith and my walk, um, you know, I thought everything was mine or, or that I earned it or, you know, it was a gift to me from somebody or, and as I've gotten older and wiser and learn more about just the giving of God and the goodness of God, it's just so incredible how you start learning that the more you give and the more you serve, it comes back like double full. It's even hard to explain because when I was younger and, and I didn't have much money and I thought, how in the world am I ever going to give even a dollar or, you know, pension pennies? And so I was so tight and, and just misunderstood about all of how that works. And then once I began giving what I could, it, it was like I couldn't give the whole amount, but it was just the discipline of doing it. And then once I did it, it was like I made it to the next payday. And it was like, and I even have more in my account than I did before. And I thought, how did that, like, where is that coming from? Or, and then in the five or 10 years after that, I was giving even more because I knew I could. It was like, I before I wondered how I would put food on the table or make Christmas happen. And things would either just show up at the doorstep or I would have more in the checkbook. I, it was just so, I never missed it, but it seemed like not only did I not miss it, but it was doubling I, and not just in money, but and blessings and things like that. So it was to the point now that where Gary and I are in our lives, it, it, we don't even think about it now, which is cool because I've always, it was almost like a burden before when I wasn't sure where it would come from or how it would work. But the scripture of the widow's might really comes to heart there, right? Because she gave so little but it was so much. And everybody starts there, right? You know, we all did, you know, whether we started at our fast food job, making a couple dollars an hour to other jobs, it does increase over time. So we all have to begin there, just like the widow does. But the point is, is that you just need to start, take a step. And it doesn't even need to go beyond that. Just keep trying, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then when you experience the blessings back from that one little step, it's like it fuels you to take them the second step. I love the way it you just see in that story just this, this progression, this growth of, of learning what it means to be generous, to grow in giving and to start somewhere. And, and that simple advice, just begin. Begin to take that journey and see what God does and see how he provides in just unbelievable and unexpected ways.
I remember at a time in our life where we were in transition and um, had received some, some, some severance that we knew had an end date, and so um, we, were, we were working towards that, that, that date, trying to manage our money, knowing that if things aren't, if we don't have another job lined up after that severance ends, uh, we're going to be funding ourselves fully off of our savings and other things, and so we had to be very smart with that, uh, our money during that time. And so we were trying to save and do whatever we could, but we had that question of, do we continue to tithe and give during this time? I mean, right now, we need to be piling up as much as we can just, just in case. But we said, no, 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 we're gonna be faithful in our tithing. We're gonna continue to give and to, to do what God has asked us to do. And so we did that for several months. Well, sure enough, the, the date came where the severance ended, the income valve was shut off, and it was gonna be still months before we had another um, opportunity for the stable income to come. And so uh, our mortgage company didn't really care um, that I didn't have a way to fund that, that mortgage or, or have to try to make that out of savings and the bills kept coming and the kids kept needing to be fed. And when that first month hit where we needed to pay uh, our next mortgage, mortgage uh, an envelope was given to us with $2,000 cash in it. We didn't ask for it. We never made him let people know about the details or whatever. God provided for us to cover. And it was said, this is for your mortgage and for your family to take care of that. It was one of those reminders just that God, God provides there are unexplainable things out throughout my whole life where, where God has just been faithful and where God has come through in most unexpected ways. And I hope that he's using me and my family to do that in the lives of others as well. And I hope that he will use you in those ways because generosity, here's the power of it. Generosity changes hearts and lives. It changes us. It transforms our hearts. When we give and when we receive, what we unleash in others. And when I imagine a church of people individually in our own lives beyond these walls and in this place to the church and the mission that we have together, generous, what could God do in the lives that would be transformed? Because that's, uh, when we're generous, that's when we reflect the heart of God. I mean, look at this, this amazing scripture that I wanna close with here in, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, how just uh, this was modeled by, by Jesus. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. It was Jesus modeling this. It was him showing us that when we give of ourselves, when we deny ourselves, when we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others, there's amazing things that come out of that and we are the recipients of that generosity of God's love. And that's why we're here because he gave his life for us on a cross so that we could have life and have it more what? More abundantly, life to the fullest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for showing us what it looks like to be generous. God, that you stepped out of the comfort of heaven, the, the privilege of heaven, the, the riches of heaven, and you stepped down into this earth, into this planet, to be born as a child, as a baby in a manger, God, to a teenage mom in, a, in, in humble beginnings. And Father, you showed us what it means to live a rich life, to be generous and to share. Father, thank you for showing us how generosity wins hearts and minds over. And God, would you move and stir in each of us? Where are places where we can sacrifice, where we can deny ourselves, God, for the good of someone else? God, would you show us today, even in this week, God, places where we can be generous? Times, God, where we need to swallow hard, think twice and pray about what we're gonna do. And, and God, just watch what can happen in the kingdom of God and the lives of people all around us. And God, what can happen in our heart? when we see that we can do good with what you've blessed us with. 
Father, you've promised to always provide and to take care of us, and I pray for any needs that right now are here present in the sound of my voice, that, that God, that you would come through in, in miraculous ways, very specifically in financial ways. And God, we know you bless in many other ways as well. Give health where it's needed and opportunity where it's needed. Open doors for a new job or close one that we shouldn't be going down. God, we trust you and we commit ourselves to you and we can't wait to see what you continue to do in our hearts and our lives and in this church as we let go of the hold of money over us and release it back to you and to the use of the kingdom, God. We thank you for your provision in all things. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen.